Hi, everyone. Welcome to this new season of PIN Seminars. As many of you know, PIN just completed 60 years this summer officially. And to mark that occasion, we have a few celebratory as well as retrospective events planned for this year as we revisit the history of the program, its impact, as well as its relevance for the future. The early history of PIN, of course, has been documented on the PIN website by none other than our first guest here. Professor Man Nesheim needs no introduction for this group. He has been at Cornell in the Cornell faculty ranks since 1959. In 1974, he was named the director of the new Division of Nutritional Sciences at that time, a post which he held for 13 years before moving on to university leadership and becoming the provost in 1989. Uh, welcome and thank you for joining us, Mal. What we are going to do today is basically have a conversation and we have two parts of it. One is, of course, I will ask you maybe some questions and then the trainees will also jump in. And then eventually what we will want to do is we'll archive this in a series of podcasts for people to listen to at their leisure whenever they get a chance. Our podcast, of course, has been listened to in 50 countries now or is listened to routinely in over 50 countries. And we are very happy about that. Maybe we can start with talking about your first foray into international nutrition. Can you please tell us more about your first experiences and inspiration for pursuing work internationally? Well, it's a kind of a complicated story. It's not something I just decided to say, I'm going to go work in international nutrition. You know, I came here to Cornell in 1956 as a graduate student. And when I finished my PhD in 1959, lo and behold, I was asked to stay on as an assistant professor. So it was not a hard recruiting job at that time. I did my PhD in animal nutrition. So I was in the poultry science department, which existed at that time. And I carried out research in uh, amino acid metabolism, and uh, I was interested in, in digestive physiology and some things like that. And uh, so for my first six years here at Cornell, that's what I did. I went on sabbatical leave in 1965, 66, and I went to the University of Cambridge in England. And uh, I, went, I thought I better get away from Cornell. I've been here so long, I better find out how the rest of the world lives. So I went to Cambridge, which was a wonderful place to be. And I worked with a man named Kenneth Carpenter. And we were doing work on heat-damaged proteins at that time and looking at digestibility and so forth. And we were working with chickens. And you had to, to do digestibility studies in chickens. You had to separate urine and feces, which was not an easy thing to do. But I could do some surgery to do that. But to do that in England, you had to have a, a somebody who had a license to do that. You just couldn't go ahead and do that kind of thing. So he got a young man from the Moltino Institute of Parasitology who had this license to supervise me while I did these surgeries. And it happened to be a man named David Crompton. And uh, David and I uh, did all of this and we, uh, we got talking. And he was interested in parasites that lived in the intestinal tract of, of animals and uh, we got talking about the environment within the intestinal tract, what, how the environment might infect or affect the uh, parasites that live there. And so we had a kind of a common interest in digestive physiology. And, and we got talking and eventually arranged that he would come to Cornell for the summer and work with me for a while. And we began to look at some intestinal physiology and uh, nutrient gradients down the intestinal tract uh, amino acids, bile acids, and so forth. And he did that for a couple of years. Then I had another sabbatic coming up in 1972, and I went back to Cambridge. At that time, I went to the Moltino Institute of Parasitology. 
And David and I began working together. So we began to look at uh, how we might be able to modify the environment of the intestinal tract and how what effect that would have on the parasites. We eventually did that. This parasite was a rather strange parasite called Maniliformis dubius that lived in rats. And we found that the environment of the intestinal tract was anaerobic. And so you had to have carbohydrate for these parasites to live. And you could manipulate where they lived in the trap, what kind of sugars they would use, all this sort of thing. So we did a lot of work that related the environment in the intestinal tract to the parasite and its development. So I did that for a year in the Maltino, and I came home, and I gave a seminar at Cornell about our work there. And one of the people in the seminar was Lani Stevenson, who was just starting her graduate work at that time. And Lani uh, said to me afterwards, she'd like to work on parasites, and uh, she'd like to relate them to uh, humans if we possibly could. So we said, yeah, well, one of the most important parasites at the time that we didn't know a lot about, as far as nutrition was concerned, was human roundworm, which was the most common parasitic infection at the time, Ascaris lumbricoides. And so we had an arrangement, we made an arrangement to work with some pigs, which were would be infected with Ascaris suum, which was the same, basically same parasite as the parasite that infected humans. So Lonnie uh, and I got this, did these pigs. We had a place over Chud Falls Road where we kept the pigs. And we looked at uh, the effect on growth. We looked on the intestinal morphology. There was a big changes in the intestinal villi uh, from the infection. And the pigs didn't grow so fast. They didn't eat so much. So there were effects on humans that we were interested in. But Lonnie Stevenson happened to be also the person who married Michael Latham. And Michael Latham, of course, was our professor of international nutrition at the time. And Michael had done lots of work in Africa. I mean, he had originally been a, a medical officer in Kenya during colonial times. And uh, we arranged uh, to uh, do a study in, in rural Kenya on the effect of deworming on the growth of children. And David Crompton helped us on that because he, was, he provided the parasitology for the work that we did. So that's how we got started in it. We got started really because I... Uh, worked with this young man in Cambridge. We made out, we, we, we kind of got together with some of our thinking and it led us down the path eventually to doing a study on ascariasis in Kenya. So there was my first international study. And um, so that was how I got started. <laughs> That's fascinating. And, uh, you know, it's always interesting to hear these stories and uh, how everyone takes a different path there. Uh, and then speaking of you know, speaking of the path, what, what was the most exciting or maybe most rewarding part related to international nutrition? Well, I mean, the, the thing about it was that 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 study in, in Kenya started the whole a whole program. That was this, the same time I had become director of nutritional sciences. So I had moved from animal nutrition side of things into the human nutrition side of things. And with the uh, interest that uh, I had with uh, David Crumpton, with Lonnie and Michael, we began to look at these uh, effects of parasitic infections uh, much, much more broadly. So I had uh, Elizabeth Forsham came from Sweden, and we did some more work on pigs with asterisk. But eventually we went and did work in, uh, in Panama. We did work in Indonesia. We did work in uh, Burma, Myanmar, looking at all kinds of effects of 
parasitic infections on digestion, on utilization of certain nutrients. It really completely redid my research career. And it was all because developed, because here we are with a, a person who had a completely different background, but we hit it off together with the kind of questions we were interested in. And his expertise on the parasites and my expertise on the nutrition worked together to do these studies, which we couldn't do otherwise if we didn't have the two expertise together. So, and over the years, why David Crompton became a part of the division in the sense that he came for two weeks of the fall for several years, uh, giving a short course in parasitology for students in international nutrition. So, other than your own career, I mean, as a, as you said, you were the you were the first director of the division or the new division. Any experiences that come to mind in you know, helping PIN thrive or facilitating international nutrition work among other faculty, any particular challenges related to that? Well, what happened about the time that the division was formed was the field of nutrition was changing quite rapidly. You know, we had gone through the era of nutrition where people were discovering vitamins and they were discovering essential nutrients. They were looking at uh, what the mechanisms of action they were, how they worked, really metabolism and became uh, the main subject now of how these nutrients were working. So the interest in nutrition got away from that a little bit and into, well, what are the effects on populations? What are the effect on people, uh, effects on chronic disease, for example? And to do those kind of studies, you needed to have a different background. We didn't have to have huge animal facilities. We needed to get out into the world and do research among populations where you could answer some of these questions that were more uh, involved human populations and human beings. So what happened in the division was not only did we have the International Nutrition Program, which Michael Latham was an extraordinary leader for, but we had we began to bring in new faculty who had also had interest in international work, largely not only to help the programs of international and to help people internationally, but also using it as a place to study study issues that could not be studied in a laboratory, but had to have a populations that could be drawn on to look at particular subjects. So people like Jerry Haas came to join the division. We, the first Babcock professor since when I joined the division was a man named Peter Timmer, who was a, uh, an expert on rice uh, culture in Southeast Asia, who stayed with us for two years and then went off to Harvard, unfortunately. Then Jean-Pierre Habeck came to the division, bringing in nutritional epidemiology in a, in a big way. And uh, Eric Thorbeck became the Babcock professor who was interested in international work. And so several people began. Diva Sanhur, who, who was my wife, came together and uh, we did work together in Panama, for example. And she was started her work here at Cornell in upstate New York, but moved into the international sphere. So the whole division, many people in the division expanded into the international sphere of things at that time. Because we were looking at the world as a background for studies, as opposed to a particular place where you had a colony of rats, for example. <laughs> and hopefully, and that, of course, as everyone knows, set the foundation for a lot of impactful work across you know, the next two, three decades. Maybe I'll ask one more question, and then maybe I'll hand it over to uh, Nidhi and Elizabeth here. So... Uh, as you have mentioned in your history, you know, the PIN was conceived as a program originally also to help train people across the world and with the new UN agencies and everything else forming. What do you see? Any advice for PIN or insights into the relevance of PIN as we look ahead? Well, let me say there's a couple of things. I may just kind of deviate slightly from what you asked me, but I did a couple of things that were really interesting to me. Well, 
that came along with the interest in parasites and nutrition is that the uh, USAID came to me one day and said, uh, we would like to do some work at Burma, Myanmar now, but in those days it was still Burma. It was after the uh, Vietnam War and uh, things were opening up and uh, they wanted to fund some research in Burma and they were going to do it on parasitic infections. So they asked me if I would go to Burma to help them write a proposal. And so I said, I want to bring David Crompton with me if we're going to do parasitology. So the two of us went to Burma and uh, worked with the Burmese Medical Research Institute and USAID funded a big study of uh, nutrition and uh, a growth of children and uh, an ascaris infection in, in the Irrawaddy Delta in Burma, which was an extraordinary experience to have that. But it, it showed that there was a kind of ongoing interest in some of the kind of things that we had been working on. And then, then David and I also got the idea that people ought to know a little bit more about this sort of thing. So what could we do about that? So we uh, organized a symposium at the Federation meetings or the ASN meetings on nutrition and infection. And then we partnered with WHO and held an international conference on the nutritional significance of ascariasis. And we held that in Banff and we invited an international group to that. And that held, that took place in uh, one about, oh, it must've been about uh, 2000 and, or about yeah, late, 19, late 1900s anyway. So we, we had this international meeting and a book came out of that. And then another, a few years later, we had another meeting in Penang and Malaysia to look at control of ascariasis and, and some of the other nutritional effects. And then we had a third and then another volume came out of that on uh, the proceedings of that meeting. And then the third meeting we had was in uh, Bali in Indonesia. And uh, uh, again, on uh, parasitic infections and nutrition. And so those three kind of put the whole subject on the map and worked with international collaborators really all around the world. But so the lesson from that is, I think if you, there are, there are things to do besides research. You can do research and then you want, if, if you feel your research is important, is doing something good and you want to have it done, there are ways in which you can kind of get it in front of the public and so forth. And we partnered with WHO to do these things, which I think uh, was a very helpful to us. Uh, on that wonderful note, I'll pass it on to uh, Nidhi and Elizabeth. Hi everyone, this is Nidhi. Hope you enjoyed the first episode of the Fall 2022 PIN Conversation series. Thank you for tuning in to part one of the conversation with Dr. Nashine. For more, please tune in to part two of the conversation hosted by PIN Trainees, where we get more insight on his days as a graduate student.